Um, hi, everyone. My name is Ruhi Dang from the Wharton School, and I have with me on call here today Virat Jitanya, the CEO of Pocket. Pocket is a market lending prepaid MasterCard provider. Aimed at the highest level of financial inclusion, Pocket provides prepaid cards to the unbanked and the underbanked in the UK. Viraj, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, so before we talk about Pocket, our audience would love to hear something about you and your background. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you a, a quick overview of my background. Um, I actually come from a, a family business background, a very different space, uh, consumer goods and personal care. Uh, we had a, um, a, a fairly sizable business um, that acquired uh, orphan um, brands from large multinationals. So we'd go to companies like Unilever, Procter & Gamble and buy the uh, businesses that they were no longer core um, to their portfolios. Uh, typically um, all in the personal care space, so hair care, dental care, skin care. Um, and we would basically be buying these businesses with a view to turning them around. Uh, we, 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 we built that business uh, uh, up until 2010. And then between 2010 and 2012, we, we went on an exit uh, process where, which culminated us selling all, all 40 businesses that we had bought in, in, in that group. Uh, so uh, post, post that exit, uh, we have a, a family office that invests and, and, and manages uh, our investments, but I, I kind of went down the entrepreneurial route to to, to build Pocket, um, and so that's what's taking up all my time now. That's wonderful. So I take it entrepreneurship runs in your in your blood and family. Uh, so how did the idea of Pocket pop up, and what are the main business lines you're looking at today? Yeah, sure. So um, there there were really uh, kind of two key. Um, themes that really inspired me to to to, to found the business. So, we uh, when I started looking at the idea, it was sort of around 2013, uh, first quarter of 2013. Um, and so, the first thing that really jumped out to me was uh, the disruption and innovation that's been happening in in financial services. Um, so, in the UK market, this is kind of really when fintech kind of really started to come about. Now, obviously, fintech has become quite a buzzword, but it was uh, it was only about four years ago that it really started to, to to catch on. And you saw businesses like TransferWise, Funding Circle, uh, Wonga, those types of players who were really starting to get traction. Um, and what was very clear to me was that the, was that you had the you know, technology was really allowing um, the barriers uh, of entry into financial services to really come down. And so there were these much smaller businesses playing in a space that you know ten years prior to that would never have, would never have kind of dreamt of, of doing the things that they were doing. Um, so what was what was what was the kind of the kind of standout thing for me was that technology has really just changed the way the way the financial services space operates. Um, so that was the first thing. The second thing was. Um, uh, sort of quite a personal experience, but uh, growing up in a family business that did a lot of its business in emerging markets, uh, we, we I'd grown up in a bunch of interesting places from India, Russia to the to, to the Middle East, and and had seen the kind of challenges around cash um, in those markets that we in in, in our in our family business. So uh, you know you'd have people working in a factory who'd get paid in cash. A lot of trade was done. Um, uh, in cash, and 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 that kind of really led me to start thinking about sort of this group of consumers who don't have access to mainstream financial services. 
Um, and I started to look at how big those numbers were, and I just wondered, was it was this just an emerging market problem, or is this a much wider issue? Um, and the numbers are astounding. So you have two billion people globally who are who are, who are impacted by this challenge. Uh, you have um, you have uh, 100 million in Europe. You have about 100 million in the U.S. So it's a it's a it's a pretty big problem. And when you look at who's really trying to solve that problem, there are very few people. Um, typically, what's offered to uh, this sort of lower income uh, demographic is is um, punitive uh, lending uh, products and very informal lending products and things like you know ca- um, check cashing shops and uh, pawnbrokers and things like that. Uh, so so no one's really trying to build kind of an end to end transparent accessible banking service. Um, and and that was really where the inspiration came from. So. We got up and running in September 2014, um, and what we what we launched with was a, was effectively just a um, well what we call here in the UK a deposit a, a sort of a, a current account, um, which I think you guys will refer to as a checking account. Um, you know that's what we launched with to start off with, so customers could have salary. Uh, government benefits paid into their pocket account, um, and uh, and and then um, also have twenty. We also provide twenty eight thousand locations uh, in the UK where they can deposit cash into our accounts, um, and 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 then giving them the ability to make payments out of those accounts as well. Uh, so paying bills or transferring funds to other to, to other bank accounts. Um, and then we give them a debit card or a prepaid debit card, uh, which runs off MasterCard, so customers can transact online and offline. Um, and then an app from which they can manage their money, and they can have you know very detailed insight on where they're spending, you know the location of where they've made transactions, real-time notifications, things like that. So that was what we launched with in September in September 2014, and that's the yeah that's the core that's that's the core product, but. We're now starting to extend into a number of different business lines. So um, we're just very imminently about to re- release a, a, remit- a remittance product um, that will enable our customers uh, to send money back home. Um, we're starting off with a couple of countries in Europe and then expanding to the whole of Europe, and then we'll start going outside of Europe. Um, and then I, I, I think we're going to come on and talk about it later about new product lines, but we have a lot, a lot of those as well. Oh, perfect. So I think you touched upon a number of interesting points. And the first one I want to take away from what you just said was, uh, you know, since 2013, these barrier to entry is becoming lower and a lot of informal lending solutions coming into the space. At the same time, there are a number of challenger banks that have come, on, uh, come up in the UK. Uh, so you've spoken in the past in the news that a pocket is radically different from these other challenger banks that are essentially, let's say, the shortage solutions for the community. And uh, for our listeners who don't know what shortage is, it's it's this district in London that that would be characterized by uh, warehouses and dingy side streets on one end, and I would say painted walls on the other. So back to my question, um, you know, how is your business different as compared to other challenger banks in the same same space? Yeah, sure. Um, so my um, uh, you know our our, our uh, positioning is slightly different in that we haven't gone down the route of building the business on the back of a banking license. We have, um, what we've done is uh, uh, we've used a, a, a more capital efficient license, um, which is called an e-money license, um, to, 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 to be able to bring our product to market. Um, and what we've done is focus on a group of consumers who we feel we're genuinely solving a problem for. So, um, you know, our customers have not had access 
prior to us to mainstream financial services. They have typically, you know, a cash base before they interact with our product. And that is really then taking them on a journey to really being fully financially serviced. Um, whereas I think the kind of the challenger bank model and you know, what's really kind of predominantly being done here in, 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 in London um, is building a kind of a solution for millennials who are very you know uh, tech sort of focused and who really care about the UX on their app and those types of things. I think the reality is there's a limited number of those people. Um, you know, there is, uh, if you ask the average, if you ask the sort of the, the man on the street or the woman on the street, do they know about Tandem, Starling, Monzo, you know, all these, all these players, I think the reality is they probably don't know. And there's a very small kind of group of consumers who do know about them. So, so I think the, the the real difference is kind of the target market and the way we've the way we've set up. Um, yeah, we we believe that uh, for now the the license that we're using is the right way. Um, that might change in the future, and we might think a banking license does become appropriate. But we'll only do that once we're at scale. We don't we don't we don't necessarily think uh, it makes sense to do that before you have enough customers. All right. So you also spoke about expanding into these new business lines and moving from kind of the startup mode to, to scale up mode where you're expanding into different geographies as well. Uh, so are you also thinking about, uh, you know, covering a full stack of financial services and becoming this, like you said, the end to end service provider at some point and at the same time expanding globally? Is Are both these things on the radar for Pocket? Yeah, so I think I think product expansion and new product lines is what will come first. Uh, so um, I think that's going to be uh, the starting point, and I think then international will, will will come later. So from a so from a product perspective, you know, if I if I um, you know, depict it through our customers, they are uh, you know their first problem is I need a place to deposit my money and I need a place to transact. Uh, pay bills, you know, those the simple kind of things. But then, you know, if you take it a bit further, they are um, using Western Union and MoneyGram to send money home. Uh, they don't have a credit profile, or a, you know, as you guys would know, as a FICO score. Um, they don't have uh, access to formal ways of borrowing money. They haven't had access to insurance products, savings products, credit cards. So there's a whole set of services. Which, uh, which, which, which you know, our customers haven't had proper access to, but sh- but need access to, um, and we are we're working on each of those verticals and providing um, providing that service and product to to to, to our customers. Um, so that's really the first initial priority, um, and then we will look at uh, uh, international expansion. And you know, being a full stack financial services provider means lots of different things. I think there are certain parts of the stack where you know, it is better left to partners. So, you know, for example, uh, we we don't have our, you know, we, we will manufacture our cards and send them out through a, through a card manufacturer. There's no point in us building that facility. Um, uh, you know, so there are certain, you know, and this is probably the same with KYC. We work with a very good partner on the KYC side. Um, so when we have to do a know your customer check, we, 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 we go through a partner and it makes sense to use them. Uh, so, there are certain points in the stack where it doesn't make sense to build yourself, and there are certain parts that do. And so we'll need to, we'll, you know, we'll think very carefully about which ones 
we own and 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 which ones we don't and really where we're trying to own it is to um make us uh, uh you know make us more efficient and to be able to release product quicker um and obviously to ensure sort of highest levels of security as well right uh, so jumping back to to the core product you spoke about so we know that a lot of prepaid cards are issued under the mastercard brand uh, what does your partnership look like and how is it different from the other players uh, that are doing something similar yeah so um i think uh, to be honest there's not a huge amount that's different um uh, mastercard is a you know is a is a network uh, which upon which uh, you can transact um and really that's the the important thing for us is giving our customers an ability to uh you know be able to pay for things in shops or on websites and to be able to withdraw cash you know from from ATMs uh so there is there is nothing sort of uh, um uh, you know extremely different about us and how we're partnered with how we're partnered with Mastercard we have a, a good relationship with them uh, and you know we're, we 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 believe they they're very supportive of kind of the emerging payment space more so than some of the other players in 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 the space um and so that's the reason we decided to partner with them uh so that's really the uh, you know there's not a huge amount to the to the to the backdrop of partnering with Mastercard um also jumping uh, you know stepping a foot back a little in terms of the space as a whole do you see any challenges come up in the industry because of the recent economic uncertainties in the UK or in Britain in general or uh, you know trade partnerships with Europe uh, is that something that has been um, on the radar for you in terms of challenges that you're focusing on yeah so i, I so i presume you're referring to brexit um uh i i think the the issues have not really yet come to the surface um i think there's a lot of rhetoric still going on we don't know exactly what brexit's going to look like we don't know if uh, passporting is going to remain um i think there are lots of different um uh, uh potential outcomes uh and we will we you know once we know and have more clarity we will then uh, make make sort of our <clears throat> our arrangements appropriately the, the 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 fact is is that we are a uk based company and we're servicing uk based consumers so we're not too concerned about um about about the impact at this point in time we don't think the uh, number of migrants coming into the uk is going to drop as extensively as, as as some people might think i think fundamentally there are going to be some jobs that need foreign workers um and i think we will continue to see uh we will continue to see uh, uh, for, uh, uh migrants coming coming into the uk um so we're not extremely concerned i think also from a you know if we want to go if we want to go into the into europe at the moment our part our license is passportable so we can use our license in 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 europe but if for some reason that changes we would just set up in in some in a country in europe and 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 then issue out of that um out of that uh, location so i think broadly we're not overly concerned about it and it's not something we're losing too much sleep on at the, at the moment uh sure so that's on the regulatory and the economic aspect of the business i'd like to talk about the other side of it which is the strategic decisions uh within your firm that you know that might come into the picture when you're looking at international expansion so uh you know you made the strategic decision to leverage paypoints network in the uk uh so could you help our listeners get a little bit more used to in terms of um what was the decision what this network looks like and when you do think of international expansion uh what what will the transition be like yeah sure so um 
in in the UK, we we work with, as you mentioned, a partner called Paypoint. Um, they provide um, access to um, a larger number of convenience stores uh, across across the UK. So they have their, they they have their terminals in twenty eight thousand um, uh, convenience stores in 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 the UK, which allows our customers to deposit cash with us. Um, and that was, you know, strategically, that was an extremely important partnership. Um, they uh, have, a, you know, a huge access. Ninety-five percent of the UK is within less than one mile of a of a uh, of a paypoint location, um, and it really enables a customer who's uh, getting paid in cash or managing their money in cash to move away from that and put it into an, an electronic format effectively. Um, so that's a really important partnership for us, and it gives us a lot of, um, you know, it gives our customers a lot of convenience and accessibility, which is one of the most, you know, important things for us, especially when you're seeing bank branches close down, uh, you know, at their fastest rate. Um, these convenience stores act almost like branches, so it's it's a it's a crucial partnership for us, uh, a company we work very close with. Um, and going forward in terms of international sort of expansion, we would look to find um, similar providers uh, in 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 the countries that we choose to go into. Um, you know, and, and I mean, um, PayPoint has a presence in Romania, um, so that might be a country we look at going into because of of, of the of the distribution network being there. Um, so it gives us a similar. Uh, similar setup to what we have in the UK, um, but if we look at other if we look at other countries, there will be other um, similar uh, types of uh, partners that we can we can work with. So um, it's it, it is something that we find to be a it will be a, it will probably always be a core part of our product regardless of which country we're in. Uh, yeah, so it, it looks like a natural transition in terms of, you know, getting getting hold of the same kind of network in the next geographic region you move to. Uh, but like you mentioned in the beginning of the call, uh, you know, the EM has challenges that deal with the economy being based around cash and a lot of uh, economies, including India, does not have such intense or integrated networks where there's access to to such a deposit area for everyone within a mile. Uh, so would that be a deciding factor in terms of where you expand or um, is it something that you think you'd like to enter the space and maybe uh, develop the infrastructure in terms of? Yeah, I think I think for us it would probably be quite important that we can work with a partner on it in the market in the in the, in the next market that we go into. Um, you know, we think uh, I mean we 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 quite strongly think Europe somewhere in Europe will be our next um, our next market, um, as opposed to some of the more kind of emerging markets like India or Nigeria or you know other places. Um, so we we you know, we we strongly believe in partnering with uh, with with companies. We don't believe that we should build everything ourselves. Um, you know, and something like this is is very involved, where you're transporting large amounts of cash, and uh, and 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 there are a lot of challenges that come with that business. So it's 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 you know often better left to the people who really understand that that space to to run those kinds of businesses. Hmm. Uh, so finally, uh, you know, I've heard that you're also looking to hire new MBA talent for your firm. Um, you know, can you talk a little bit more about the learning opportunities that startups like Pocket offer that may be hard to come along at large firms and any other advice that you may have for our listeners who are looking for work opportunities in spaces like Pocket? Yeah, sure. So. Uh, look, I think working in a in a young um, uh, company or an early stage company offers you 
opportunities that you just won't find anywhere else. Um, I think that you get access to um, uh, basically uh, a job where every day uh, is different. Um, so I think you have to be comfortable with a degree of a bit of uncertainty when you're when you're getting into a uh, uh, working into you know in an early stage or a startup or a young company, um, but at the same time it really uh, gives you it, it gives you access to you know a wide a uh, very wide degree of people. So you'll be work you know you're typically going to be working from you know with the CEO. So you'll have full access to the exec team all the way through down and throughout the organization. So I think what it gives you is a is an ability to work with all different types of people and really really learn a lot about stakeholder management um and you will you know really be in a situation where you kind of have to just um uh, uh get your head down and 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 find solutions and you will be directly solving problems and impacting uh, the business on a day-to-day basis so i think if you if you really want to have and feel uh that you're you're making a really big difference somewhere it's it's a great place to be because you'll see um You'll see the results of your of your work very clearly. Uh, whereas in a larger organisation, it's sometimes a bit more difficult um, uh, to 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 see that impact on a on a on a day to day basis. Um, I think also the other um, opportunity you know you get is you get to learn um, m- m- multiple skills, right? So you're so you're you know you will work in different you will work across the, the whole company. You know most people in my team. Uh, will interact with the engineering team. Will in, interact with fraud. Will interact with compliance. Will interact with customer service. Will you know, interact with operations. So they really are um, across the board, uh, and that is a um, you know I think that's really that's really priceless and, and and an amazing way to learn about the different parts of a business and 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 how a business operates. Uh, whereas I think if you go into a larger organization, you'll be Probably slightly more pigeonholed and into a into a specific, um, uh, you know, into a specific sort of department or, or, or specific project. So I think the um, you know the the, the the learning opportunities are endless. Uh, you will you will learn something new every day, um, and you're working with um, a, you'll be working with a group of people who are probably quite like minded to yourself uh, uh, if you're if you if you come into to to a early stage business, so you know you will you will really learn off other people who are um, who, who who share a similar mentality, want to have an impact on their in, in on their day to day job and company that they're working with, um, and you'll learn a huge amount off those off those people. Um, and the final thing I'd say is that from a cultural perspective, I think you will learn the importance of culture in an organization, uh, you know, and and how much that how how important that is to an organization's success um and because you know most young early stage startup companies will all have very strong cultures and uh, very um you know to usually very transparent informal you know work hard play hard uh, fun enjoyable cultures and that's that's a really important uh, part about convincing people to come into you know early stage younger companies so i think there's it just is such a huge amount to learn and and it's really what i always say to people it's what you make of it um because uh if you go in and uh you go into a young company and you really make an impression it can you can you can you can rise up very quickly as well 
Uh, so in terms of, uh, you know, when you look to hire new students from especially the MBA level, what except from obviously an interest and a passion for the space, what is it that you look for in particular? And, uh, you know, how does this change at the senior levels within the firm? Yeah, um, so, I mean, t it, it obviously it always depends on the specific role, um, uh, you know, depending on what, you know, what we're looking for. Uh, but, you know, we we have um we have four values which we which we sort of strongly um uh, adhere to and those are curiosity um ambitious um resilience um and accountability um and typically we're looking for those four we're looking to see um those four characteristics come out of a uh, um out of a out of a person that we're talking to and if we can if we can see that in in uh, um in an individual uh, we will you know that that gets us excited, um, but uh, you know, as I say, it's all about it. You know, it depends on what the specific role is, but those are those are the types of things we're looking for. Yeah, you know, when it comes to senior hires and 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 especially if it's at sea level and things like that, you're looking at you know, you're looking at the experience of the person. You're looking at um, you know the ability to manage teams, to inspire people, uh, to also care a lot more than just about their specific function. And, all, and care about the wider company and how they're going to impact and grow the company as well. Uh, so it's you know these are sort of the slight differences you'll look at between between the two the two types of roles. Uh, thank you so much, Viraj. Uh, it's it's been absolutely a pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, I'm sure our audience learned a lot from the conversation and is super motivated about this space. Uh, we look forward to continuing this dialogue between the fintech community here and Pocket. And thank you so much again for for being here with us. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you.